0: Plenty a time for Stroud, directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White.
1: Nix, pump fake, takes off, into the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! What's going on, everyone? You've got on the burning the red shirt side exclusively Andrew Katz today, uh, getting called into host duties for the second time with our boy Chris bailing for vacation. So it's going to be an experience, uh, but I am I am fortunate to have the final one of our prestigious guests talking to arguably. The best conference, the peopleiest conference, if you will, the, the conference of the people, uh, the Mid American Conference, the MAC. Today, bring on to talk with us, Mr. Nicholas Ian Allen of CFB Winning Edge. How you living, bro?
0: i uh, doing great, and and now I guess I have to get used to saying uh, CFB Winning Edge or the C2C uh, Winning Edge. Uh, is that the official it it is yeah we've got a C2C winning edge tier now available on campusdecanton.com. it's all official by the time you hear this uh, they'll have made the the big announcements and I've been been sort of a poorly kept secret here for a little bit but uh, yeah very excited for everything to be official and and we'll have to get used to uh, making sure to mention that because I got used to saying you know C2C winning edge (laughs) for five years or whatever it was
1: yeah, I got, I got the email this morning, and I, I was happy that we that uh, to get it, because now I knew I could lead with conversations surrounding <laughs> what it feels like to sell out, or if you've seen, uh, <laughs> have you seen SLC Punk? What's that? Have you seen the movie SLC Punk?
0: I am not a movie person, so okay. yeah,
1: 99% of movies, my answer is no, probably. There's a line from that movie about, it's not, it, I didn't sell out, I bought in. So, yeah, <laughs> as, as someone who's been part of um, a, a startup, uh, an acquisition cycle in the past, just as a, a, a low uh, plebe of an employee, though, so, um, yeah, man. Um, how much? So, how much equity did you get? I guess is the. <laughs> well, question. we we uh, it, was I the acquisition uh, based on re- revenue multiples or uh, <laughs> what is talking, an M or a
0: B? We've got an undisclosed agreement we'll say, but, uh, uh, but very excited to be part of it. Uh, I've, I've been independent for a long time and, and there's definitely uh, some benefits to that, but it became apparent that I needed to make a change uh, and uh, couldn't think of a better group to uh, work with. Um, I think it'll benefit both of us uh, big time, uh, you know, providing, the work that I do, uh, campus again and, and the CFF community as a whole has uh, really embraced me really was the first group to embrace the work um, that I do and and uh, being able to maybe tap into their deep bench you know roster of people uh, available to hopefully uh, help me work a little quicker and, and more efficiently in the future uh, get my stuff done uh, earlier and even better than before so. I think it'll think it'll help us both.
1: Yeah, I I could do a whole pod with you just talking because I'm so interested in your process of what kind of makes your business model work, you personally, and just from an information perspective and a sales perspective, what makes it viable uh, kind (laughs) of unique. I think it feels pretty unique to me within the greater sports world. The idea that information when we talk about college football is like at such a premium, and for whatever reason right the powers that be the, the make data collection data aggregation data sourcing so difficult which creates opportunity for someone like you i guess right yeah um, but i don't know i think i just think it is an interesting reality that we live in that some a business model like yours and a service that you offer at what is like just incredible an incredibly affordable rate presents so much value. And that at the same time, if like, as we move forward year over year, optimally, I would, I would assume you are hoping and praying that that information does not become more readily available right Um because for, uh, from your perspective, like that is kind of what makes your business model work.
0: Well, what's, what's been, Good for me, and and my shortest answer, I guess, is I'm incredibly fortunate, privileged that I'm married to a person that can uh, <laughs> allow me to spend my time on on this sort of thing, uh, and maybe the at least so far the the biggest reason that I wasn't just crushed like a bug from the very beginning is that there's 133 teams. Information is difficult to. Uh, put together all in one place for all those teams. Um, And I just have the benefit of time. So I am not technically skilled really in any way. Uh, For anybody (laughs) who's uh, familiar with uh, the CFP winning edge team profiles, uh, returning production information, our statistical projections, which are coming up soon, hopefully by the end of this week, um, all that stuff, at least, the last five years has been done by me by hand. So uh, definitely I'm a work hard, not smart person most of the time. And, and uh, that's been at least a little bit to my benefit, but a big piece of it is just, I'm fortunate to be able to, to have
1: the time to, to focus on it. Are your keystrokes at least uh, up to, up to snuff at this point? Do you, have to, <laughs> do you have to touch the mouse or are you like 95% mouse independent?
0: Um, i I've, Picked up some uh, tips and tricks over over the years. Have made things a little bit better, and I've definitely have had people uh, reach out with suggestions that that have uh, paid off big time. Um, as far as you know, certain formulas to be able to yeah. automate some stuff and, and things like that. So uh, it's gotten a little bit better over the years. I've gotten a, a I have picked up a couple of things, but uh, I am definitely slow and old and not skilled in any way so
1: (laughs) all good um i used to be an accountant so that it was a point of pride to to touch the mouse as little as possible and you would get ridiculed by your uh co-workers if you were too too dependent on the mouse if you will sure sure um all right so we'll go we'll go around the the mac we'll have some fun a couple of things that i'm definitely looking for from you so just to kind of get your your mind going so i want this year's sam wiggles right Last year, one of your most one of your most awesome calls. I remember listening to your preview pods, and you talked spending about ten minutes talking about this this dude who was walking on to. I think I don't know if he walked on actually, but uh, ported over from portaled over from Ohio State to Ohio. All the rave reviews <laughs> that he got from the the prestigious Ohio State coaching staff. You did a great job selling me on it. Made me some money across multiple leagues. Let's Ooh. find another Sam Williams in the MAC this year, and then sure. also. We've been – I have a pretty good feel on whose head I want to call for from uh, the coaching ranks in this conference. It's kind of of come (laughs) organically as we've gone through uh, the different teams in the other conferences. We've been able able to find for uh, at least one coach per conference to kind of call for the ax. Okay. But uh, let's see what we can do here as well. Um, Yeah, man. So, dude, let's kick kick it off with our zips, uh, Akron. Um, I followed this team so closely last year because I got uh, sucked into um, a win total bet by KF and, uh, uh, and Moxley. They, they sold it really well. I bought in. and I wanted to back Moorhead and crew. So I was um, following all their games, and it really felt like this team was able to march up and down the field no problem and then kind of got a case of uh, we got in the red zone and we're a deer in the headlights type deal. I'm mm-hmm. that Just the amount of yards that – Dude, every time you looked at DJ Iron's box score, it looked like this dude was aggregating across rusting and passing 400 yards a game, and then he'd be lucky to come across one touchdown. To me, that feels like a a team that, all right, figure out the red zone uh, deficiencies, and we can can, uh, score some more points, get some more wins. But I don't know. Where do you stand on the zips coming into this year?
0: Uh, I'm pretty high on Akron, and last year came in a, a little high. Uh, sort of the way that my process works, as far as calculating uh, what impact a, a head coach or coaching staff might have. Uh, sometimes a team like Akron, who finds a way to get, uh, you know, a former SEC head coach who who probably had some other options, certainly could have continued to be an offensive coordinator at a, a you know conference championship level or or playoff caliber team. Uh, decides, you yeah, know, I just want to go. Be the head coach at Akron, uh, it, it maybe gives them a little bit too much of a boost um, based on, you know, Joe Moorhead wasn't uh, a world beater at Mississippi State, uh, certainly, but um, was a, a, a team that graded out better than, um, you know, Akron was used to. So it gave them a little bit of a boost. I was a little maybe too high based on uh, kind of the, the, you know, roster numbers where they were, but Moorhead did a great job of really raising the talent level immediately. I think we saw it in week one, the, the wide receivers uh, started to, to show some promise and the overtime
1: uh, thriller against St. Francis of Pennsylvania. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Where we had to have it and uh, <laughs> uh, felt, felt, you know, like was able to, to, to uh, breathe a little bit after, after that uh, thriller uh, Went our way, but yeah, you know, as you said, things obviously didn't uh, improve too much from that point. But um, I think we saw some some small uh, steps forward, and they actually return a lot. So I think that uh, we're really, you know, the 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 reason to be optimistic about a year or two bump is there for me. Getting Alex Adams back, getting Daniel George back, who I think it's actually a little bit undervalued right now he was the guy who was um targeted what like 12 times in week one last year um had a uh you know kind of didn't emerge as the uh, major factor there but i think he'll he'll be pretty much a co-number one with alex adams this year um and there's just you know there's more talent here there's experience uh dj irons if he can stay healthy Um, I think that we will see this team take a step forward, be a little bit more efficient, hopefully take care of business, like you said, uh, in the red zone. And I I definitely think that there's um, a chance that we see Akron take a pretty big step forward. I wouldn't be surprised if they make it back to a bowl, or, you know, uh, make it to a bowl game this year. Um, Things just, a lot of the ways that I look at a team, um, returning production, they're top 30 on offense in the country, top 56 uh, or top 60, I guess, 56 overall. Um, there's there's a lot of positive signs and, and a lot of winnable games on the schedule. So um, I think we're going to see an improved offense, improved numbers, as long as those keep folks stay healthy. Um, maybe we get a little something out of Lorenzo Lingard uh, in his final year um have you seen any
1: reason to actually be optimistic outside of the stars about him because he goes in most of our drafts and i don't know i feel like it wouldn't i haven't read anything about camp reports regarding him specifically but would i i would not personally be surprised that if he never gets his way off the bench
0: yeah i've i've personally been uh very hesitant the thing that swayed me a little because I didn't even pencil him in as a star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I, I went through and, and uh, when I published the projected depth charts that I do, I uh, had Clyde Price, the third penciled in. But uh, our friend, Chris Moxley, my colleague now at Cable <laughs> uh is better than anyone I know at, at digging through message boards. And he unearthed uh, a nugget that apparently Clyde Price Suffered a torn ACL. That's the Whoa. that's the rumor out there. I haven't seen it uh, anywhere else, but apparently there is an Akron message board poster who was in the know who mentioned it uh, happened in the spring. So uh, that got me to come around. It hasn't been confirmed to my knowledge as we record, but that kind of clears the way I think for Lingard to at least uh, get that first opportunity. And yeah. then they added Drake Anderson a little later on, but uh, nobody else is. is. It seems if, if Bryce is out of the picture, um, it doesn't really seem like they have other options.
1: They still have,
0: is Cam Wiley still there? He is not. Uh, he entered the transfer portal. Uh, Anthony Williams also entered the transfer portal. So really? kind of cleared out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't that they think good, I heard, right. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think I heard that Wiley landed somewhere but last last I checked he was not on the
1: roster um and may may still be in the portal interesting i i i i think it's just my conspiratorial nature like i find myself more inclined than some i would say to buy into those message board posts when it comes to just like inside information and like weird uh injury information like i'm i i buy in and then not necessarily 100% but as ridiculous as it sounds, right? We're trusting some random message board. More often than not, I feel like it, when those posts start to surface, there's a fire where there's uh, smoke, if you will, um, a decent amount of the time. So, for every one of those, though, there's like I don't know if you remember. I think it was there was uh, some uh, chain of posts about DJU supposedly tor- tearing his Achilles or something a couple a couple of years ago. That ended up being nothing, Uh, but I don't know. I like, especially when you're talking about a conference like the Mac. Like, I'll take anything I can get, dude. I I stumbled (laughs) on some wild Mac Mac uh, level message board while during uh, the draft that we were doing that Jared held for. for uh, that, for this conference, it didn't, it didn't really give me anything in the way of player level information I was looking for. But this thing looked like it was uh, made on GeoCities or whatever from the '90s, <laughs> yeah. and it was, it was bumping like everyone from all the different teams kind of come together. And like there were posts on all the different threads every single day, but nothing inside of a lot of player level, unfortunately. Uh, but I, dude, I, I don't mind if we go over a little bit on the zips. Like we'll just <laughs> some of these other teams we'll talk about a little less, but. I think that when we think about how this team could play out this year, like I'm always hesitant to back lesser or back lesser teams or back teams in general when I I feel really sketchy about their depth at the quarterback position. That is Mm -hmm. not something that I feel about the zips though. Like uh, under Cuffler came in, he's still there, right? Yep, still there. Yeah. Former FCS starter. Last year, dude, he almost got us the over on the win total. If they if the team didn't break down against Buffalo in that week, like what was it, week sixteen game, um, that makeup mm-hmm. game, like if they went up to up on a 17-0 start uh at Buffalo, like we could have very easily and should have won that win total. But he he looked competent, not like some of these uh these backup QBs where you get in they get into deer in the headlights and it's, it's over, right? Like the right. Oklahoma uh backup scenario against Texas last year. And then they bring in Taj Bullock. Um, This year, who at minimum, I think he could do some Joe Moorhead uh, offense type stuff. Probably not a passer based on what we've seen to date. But still, like when you're talking about QB2, QB3 could be worse. And I know I've seen some dude that I have no idea anything about him other than he's like a three star recruit. I've seen him rostered on some dynasty league state steel Wassel. So Mm -hmm. he has like four quarterbacks that potentially could be passable in some capacity. At the FBS level in the MAC, which when I think about backing a team at a season long, from a season long perspective, like I don't want to be one injury away from just my money being totally lit on fire. So that is nice uh, when I think about reasons to back um, this team from a season long perspective.
0: Yeah, I agree. My my projected win total is is probably a little too high, but five and a half.
1: So oh, nice. <laughs> my my numbers really like Akron. Love it. All right, let's let's uh, talk a little Ball State. So recalibrating ca- my brain to s- try and sit between who is Ball State and who is Miami. I always come back to Gabbard being at Miami, so the other team is Ball State. So let's let's start there. <laughs> um, it feels like it was undercovered or covered, reported less than it should have been. That. Hatcher has been officially announced as QB1 at this point, right? He's going to get the, the start week one. There was, like, some weird uh, Mac media day, uh, not necessarily drama, but just it's, it seemed like the coach said one thing, and then later on he was like, yeah, it's going to be Hatcher. There's, no like, no competition mm-hmm. here for week one. Um, is it school four for him at this point? Alabama, Arkansas, Arkansas State, State, State yeah. and now Ball State. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you, where are you on them? You think that it's just like, I, I always, when I think about just QB uh, scenarios in general, when we have multiple QBs that could potentially be competent, like, is it likely and how likely is it that from week one to week 13, it's literally just one guy and I can't get there at all. Um, like it, Lane Hatcher could do Lane Hatcher things. Kyle Kelly's probably going to get some run to some degree. They open mm-hmm. up, I believe, with a horrendous schedule. Don't think I think they get a couple SEC teams right away,
0: like Kentucky and Georgia. Big yeah, Georgia. that should
1: work out really well for for Lane. So <laughs> it, it doesn't. I wouldn't be that surprising. I feel like if we see more Kyle Kelly sooner than later. I know uh, amongst your colleagues, he has some fans as well. We've got mm-hmm. the tight ends, uh, the tight end uh, mafia at uh, at Ball State as well. What do you want to talk about? How do you how do you feel about the, the Cardinals coming this year?
0: So maybe the uh, might be the the transfer. I think could be the biggest immediate impact player, maybe in college football, certainly in the MAC, is is uh, Cooper. Mm. Um, really enjoyed what he was able to do at Kent State. Um, we saw that Ball State did a pretty good job of of uh, implementing. Uh, Carson Steele, and they're different players, obviously. I mean, Cooper's a, a <laughs> built much differently. Um, but I do think that uh, he's used to carrying a pretty heavy workload um, and can do a variety of different things, think that uh, he can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. I think that that things seem to be set up uh, for him to uh, just be the focal point of the offense and, and build around him. Um, other than that, it's, it's the tight ends for me, Brady Hunt, Tanner Kozuel, Um in part, because I have no idea w- how the receiving core is going to shake out. None of yeah. the guys that they've got um, are, uh, you know, returning impact players at ball state. They did add a transfer from Jacksonville state. Ahmad Edwards, who's the most uh, experienced player that they've got, but he hasn't been super productive uh, to date, different, you know, an offense that doesn't really highlight uh, receivers very much, but um, they also added a transfer from Colorado, Ty Robinson. Sounds like he got a little bit of uh, positive buzz at, at the media days, but other than that, Nick Presley, who uh, played 15 snaps a game and started once uh, last year is, is their leading returning Wide receiver, so um, they should, in my opinion, lean really heavily on Cooper. And it's possible that Brady Hunt and Taryn are not just you know competing to be the top target, but might be uh the top two targets. And, and so, um, pretty unique offense, but Hatcher has a, a little bit to work with. Um, but it seems to me that, that they got to find a way to get Kyle Kelly involved, um, whether it's putting both of them on the field at the same time using him in short yardage goal line situations, uh, which could negatively impact, you know, Lane Hatcher's value a little bit. Um, or just, yeah, to, just find ways to, to get him the football. Cause he's definitely one of their 11 best players on offense might be one of their top five best players on offense. But, um, I personally, I, I love Cooper. I've missed out on him a lot, but try to pick him up, um, as much as I can. And, and then, uh, Think that Holt, I would give a slight edge over Kozio, Um but both should be, uh, should have plenty of opportunities.
1: Totally. Yeah, the Ball State wide receiver is a pretty rich tra- tradition historically over the last like five years, right? Justin Hall, Jay Sean Jackson, lighting money up, on fire on Johannes you know, Terry. But now, just like you said, it, it's tough to feel really confident about the receiver room in general and any specific receiver. Maybe all those targets just, or a lot of them just funnel even more so to the tight ends, which w- which will be fun, which will be cool, I think. Yeah. Uh, and our all our friends, right, CFF community, seems to be feeling that way as well. Those tight ends go go really high, yeah. in our in our drafts. Um, Bowling Green, I I feel. Sad, personally, that my boy Matt McDonald's career concluded the way it did. Getting the team to a bowl game, and then I I can't say I watched the the hit occur live. Um, I think it was was like a 12 p.m. bowl game on the Wednesday, but we're going to go on record and just say that it was a dirty hit that knocked him out of the game that ended his prestigious career at Bowling Green. Um, It's interesting to me how – even if the plan has been executed optimally, they when the administration brought Scott Loeffler and it was very much under the guise of, hey, we're, we're going to give you four or five years to get this thing together, uh, not necessarily judge you on results in the immediate uh, years. I wouldn't say that the graph of his tenure has been kind of uh, up, upward from start to finish, but hey, they got to a bowl game uh Last year. Right. I, I can't remember if that it feels like that was something in the range of like year four. But now I don't necessarily know how confident I feel about this uh, team coming this year. I'm hesitant to call for his head. Um, I've got another coach in mind where I'm ready to bring the ax out on them more specifically. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't necessarily have a ton of optimism surrounding uh, Bowling Green every year. The last couple of years, I managed to find ways to light money on fire on Terry on Stewart in a draft or two. Sure. Guess what? He's back. He's getting more hype again this year. <laughs> yeah. um, in the Mac draft that we did, uh, the Mac only draft that we did, someone else beat me to the punch, so I'm sure he'll uh, he'll pop off for a thousand and change. But I don't know anything to feel confident uh, positive about about Bull Green coming into 2023.
0: I've uh, got a couple of fun players. I mean, I do Hilaire. Uh, yeah. Great year last year. Um, Harold Fannin. It's kind of fun to see uh, a tight end get carries down by the goal line. Um, they've, you know, Teron Keith, uh, all conference caliber running back last year. So that that running back group has been deep. Um, if they can get something out of Stewart, that, that's a, a positive. But Uh, Bowling Green has been a really uh, frustrating team at times, at least for for me personally, because there have been years where my numbers think like they're going to jump up and and compete for bowl eligibility. Last year uh, was not necessarily the case uh, for me. And it seemed like early on, especially after, uh, they found a way to lose in seven overtimes to Eastern Kentucky in week two um, that Loeffler just wasn't going to make it. Uh, but, but yet they found a way to beat Marshall later in the year. They found a way to beat Toledo. Uh, both of those games, they had less than a 40% post game win expectancy number. Um, so they will inexplicably lose games that they shouldn't. Uh, yet they find a way to win games that they probably have no business winning sometimes. And and it ended up, you know, they were able to piece together enough of those to uh, save Leffler's job. And, and now it seems like he's on a relatively firm footing unless they just fall apart, which I think is, is possible. Uh, they're 126th in my power rankings, 12th in the Mac. Um, so not necessarily what you would expect from a team coming off a bowl game and the conference champ last year, right? So um they're a they're a difficult team for me to figure out uh outside of some um, really interesting players at the skill positions on the offensive side of the ball. One name that that is kind of interesting who's following the exact same path as Adu Hilaire is uh Abdul Fateh Ibrahim uh senior transfer coming from Alabama AM so following following the same path so we'll see uh, if he can can step up and, and uh, be a nice compliment to Hilaire, see if they get a little more out of Austin Osborne than they uh, did last season. I know he's uh, been banged up at times. They also added Finn Hogan from Central Michigan. It seems like he'll factor in a little bit at their uh, wide receiver position. But um, I guess it all really falls on the, the shoulders of Connor Bazelak, and, and will he be able to uh, step into that role, maybe even elevate it a little bit? From what Matt McDonald was able to do um, last year, so uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a great read on Bowling Green at this point because they have defied my expectations both positively
1: and negatively <laughs> over the the last couple of years. Totally fair. What's the so the the winning edge banner in the background? What is it? Is it just a printout, or is that like knit? Is it crocheted? Is it felt? That's
0: felt. Yeah. That's uh, my, my wife has uh, done some uh, she, she does a lot of different art mediums um, nice. and there was a period where she uh, really got into felt art. And so uh, kind of as a, a test, um, uh, she, she put that together. So yeah, that, that, that's uh, happy to have
1: that behind me. <laughs> All right. Let's call for uh, what's his name. Maurice Lundquist. We're bringing the ax down on that dude. I've seen conflicting opinions on, that what he's doing from a coaching perspective, my gut instinct is that there he gets some love from a roster management recruiting perspective. But like, I don't know, I've watched Buffalo play in recent years, and I feel like I can't get behind the direction that he has the product. Program moving from an on-the-field performance perspective since we have pulled has left, um, and just like the way that that this team plays out on game day, just comes across to me as un, undisciplined, not necessarily with a a with a firm direction, with a firm uh, system from an offensive perspective in place. Uh, I've seen uh, your boy uh, Tailgate Ten talk a little bit about how horrific that defense was last year, and also I just didn't. I just hate them because they beat the Zips uh, in, <laughs> in that makeup game last year and cost sure. us uh, yeah. that win total. So, f Buffalo, f Maurice was uh, <laughs> But I don't know, like the uh, I I don't know if you saw the tweet that our boy Clint Carlson had about their their running back room. How they've got like five uh, running backs, all of decent standing, three with mm-hmm. uh, returning production. They brought in some like all Juco kid and uh, the 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 Mr. Football from Indiana, which is hilarious because could you imagine Leopold salivating over that and what he would do uh, oh, with sure. that with that room? And I'm sure we're going to get nothing out of them from a production perspective. <laughs> it felt to me how they trended, personally felt like me, how they trended toward more of a passing scheme than running scheme was less of a defined decision and more just I don't know, panic oriented, kind of relative to just how the game was playing out. It felt like they were they were being dictated to rather than dictating what they wanted things to how they wanted things to go from a uh, game to game uh, an intra game perspective. But I don't know, I, if, if they don't do it for me. I think that Linguist is potentially gone after this year. Uh, there, I think I've seen their win total in the range of like six and a half or something. I wouldn't be surprised if we see like three, four wins uh, and they underperform, but I don't know where are you at. Uh, I think it's similar to,
0: to what I said on uh, Bowling green at my, my numbers like Buffalo a lot more. They're fourth in my Mac power rankings, top 100 nationally. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the talent that they've got on the defensive side of the ball, uh, which is, Roughly FBS average, maybe a little better than that. Uh, the way I calculate it, they've got three all-MAC caliber players, one at each level of the defense, uh, Demond Williams, Sean Bulak and Marcus Fuqua. Um, but, yeah, the, the, that defense did not grade out well last year at all. Uh, they were 116th in uh, rushing team performance, a uh, number I used to, to try to uh, grade um efficiency and and things like that um and then the defense was as a whole 85th which i guess is is uh not horrible horrible but they they there were definitely some some real weak spots there so uh some some players were able to accumulate you know stats that look good on the stat sheet and, and get sort of all conference um recognition i think as a result but the unit as a whole was uh not not great and Unless we see a step forward there, um, I'm not super confident that they'll be able to, to get the job done. The running back group, there's definitely some talent there. Um, it's deep, but last year they were a little bit more pass-happy, so we'll see if if that continues. They did, um, I believe, make a change at offensive coordinator, right? if I uh, remember correctly. Yeah, DJ Mangus. Is uh, now the offensive coordinator, which is which is an intriguing name because he was involved in that twenty nineteen LSU offense, right? Oh, uh, was was uh, kind of tied with Joe Brady for a little while. I believe they were William and Mary together. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but uh, kind of like last year, when uh, this time last year, a lot of folks were were trying to figure out who's going to be that top running back because Buffalo had had such a, a long string uh, from a CFF standpoint of, of, value at that position. And it just looked to me based on kind of how the roster was built and, and what the coaching staff looked like that um, it didn't matter that it just wasn't really going to, that's not what the offense was going to look like this year with a, another new play caller and with a, you know, roster set up where it looks like, Uh, the running back position now is the strength, should be what they lean into a little bit. Um, I'm not quite sure if that's what we're going to see from DJ Mangus. So um, I don't have a great read. I I might uh, not be ready to uh, make a change at head coach yet, um, just because him getting the job so late uh, ahead of what, what, to 2021 when Leopold left. Um, it's kind of a, a tough starting point, but I, I do like to look at how a team performs, you know, in, in the sort of underlying numbers, the, the behind the box score type stuff. And last year, Buffalo lost a game against Holy Cross where they had a 77% post game win expectancy. Uh, that shouldn't happen. They lost a game in overtime against Kent state where they had a 61 and a half percent post game win expectancy. And, um, you know those are games that that you can't uh you just can't lose um yet they somehow on the flip side found ways to win games where they had well below a 50 percent chance uh, according to those numbers against Miami of Ohio against Georgia Southern in the bowl game and then that Akron win was a little less than 50 percent as well so um they're just not consistent and the, the uh you know I, I I don't like to say a team's not well coached, but when you're when you're losing multiple games that you know the the underlying number suggests you should win, that's not a good sign. Kind of evens out a little bit uh winning the games maybe you shouldn't. Um uh, but I I don't know. I I this is sort of I guess a, a little bit of a prove it year for me for Buffalo because I think I think the talent is there on defense. I think the Um, You know, there are enough pieces to work with on offense that it could end up being a a pretty good group there. Um, But it's a team that I just I'm not willing to trust just yet.
1: That's fair. I uh, I'm in the camp that everyone associated with from a coaching perspective with the 2019 LSU team is just riding the coattails of the aliens that that actually got on the field and made that offense incredible on that. We really don't need to be giving any of the uh, the staff much credit for for doing anything other than letting unleashing Joe Burrow and letting him just kind of uh, being of our Chase and Terrence uh, what the heck is his name Terrence Marshall and uh, Justin Jefferson just kind of letting those guys eat. So sure, but who's I guess we'll see how it plays out. Out this year, I could have sworn very early in the off season that I stumbled upon an article that talked to the idea that Boobie Curry was going to be more prominent this year, and that last year was an adjustment period for him. I've since gone back and tried to find it, and I think I might have invented (laughs) it. (laughs) So I draft, I drafted him probably too early in the Mac only uh, draft that we did based on this. Recall that I have that I think is entirely fictitious.
0: Um, I've I've been waiting on him. I was excited about him. He and Grant Cundell in yeah. Arizona, right? I would, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be yeah. excited, and hasn't quite hasn't quite panned
1: out just yet. So Central Michigan. Speaking of message message boards, right? I think we kicked off the off with Jim McElwain going on a Central Michigan uh, message board and pleading with the fans that hey, like, don't judge me based on 2022, like the. Y'all, what you see in 2023, we're gonna bring it. We're gonna get wins. Like we're gonna turn this thing around. (laughs) I can't think of that. How can we feel? So, I'm. I like to approach CFF largely from or one of the angles that I like to approach it from is anytime that I actually find something like a constant or something that I can feel very solid about. Like that is that is rare, and I like to latch onto that and like really uh, utilize that in terms of kind of when I'm trying to hone in on drafting because there's so much unknown. Mm-hmm. What like, I don't know if there's a team that rep- represents more unknown going into this year at the, from a skill position perspective than central Michigan. We don't know who the sort of quarterback is going to be. seems mm-hmm. like uh burn starting to slide in our drafts as people start to gravitate more toward the reality. That could be Jace Bauer uh, getting the nod um, at least initially. I've, I drafted I three or four uh, running backs uh, in the smack only draft that we, that we just concluded at CMU. I'm pretty sure none of them are actually going to be the starter. And wide receiver, that, that dude, Jalen McGaffey, made me a bunch of money week one last year with it when he balled out against Oklahoma State. But I've seen Chase Bauer throw football. I haven't really seen Bert Emanuel throw football, but I think that says a lot. And I don't know how prominently featured this dude we can expect him to be and everything else behind him I have no idea about. Um, do, you, do you feel good and solid about anything on this team from a skill position perspective? So I am a big
0: fan of Bird Manuel Jr. I, I think just seeing yep. – I mean, it's – you can't ignore the production we saw in four weeks running the football uh that said yeah i mean <laughs> I, I can't remember a single pass he threw uh <laughs> or if he even did so you know i don't know maybe maybe uh we'll get to see jace bauer at quarterback and bird Emanuel jr in some sort of hybrid position get them both on the field at the same time that would be a lot of fun and and would be exciting maybe he uh moves Two running back or something like that full time. That would, that would be exciting. Um, That's a little bit rare. And and a lot of times quarterbacks don't really like to move uh, positions, especially when, you know, they blow up and and put up huge numbers and uh, for appearances as a true freshman. But um, other, other than that, it's a lot of question marks because uh, this this program and and the offense that they've uh, had there under McIlwain, the running back position has been very, very good, very consistent uh, from a CFF perspective, but it is, uh, you know, I think Marion Luke's everything I've heard probably is going to line up in the backfield in week one uh, for that first snap, but uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily trust that that he's the guy to just step in and be um, a workhorse running back. And, and I wonder um, if it's not necessarily him, it's not necessarily Miles Bailey, but they added a, a pretty interesting name not long ago. I think it might've actually been after uh, spring practice, but mm-hmm. uh, P.J. Harris from Missouri. And usually I'm hesitance uh, on, on a late transfer, especially cause it's just, you know, it's, it's sometimes we over uh, simplify, you know, how a player can just show up on campus, learn what he's supposed to do and, and immediately emerge as, as uh, a starter or a major impact player. But at the running back position, it's a little bit easier um, when you're a guy who's a, you know, high three, low four star uh, running back recruit in the SEC when you're 215 pounds and um, nobody else is is quite as big as as that on the uh, depth chart. I don't know. I wonder if maybe there's a chance that that we see BJ Harris kind of, uh, if not start week one, emerge maybe as that that type of running back. Maybe he has the the ability to be that more so than Luke's or Bailey. But um, you know, my confidence level is not necessarily super high in that it's maybe maybe hopeful thinking um wishful thinking but um i don't know yeah it's it's uh, thomas uh panuzio uh transfer from colorado state is kind of uh, kind of like a, a my guy i i like because he's played <laughs> offense he's played defense he's a, a return man now he's full-time uh receiver we have seen some productive receivers at uh central michigan in the past um Stephen Bracey is a a transfer from Wisconsin. So you think, all right, you know, Big Ten transfer. Uh, That kind of makes him, in my mind, an option, (laughs) regardless of whether he played at all last year, which I don't think he did. Um, So it's, yeah, a lot of questions, uh, not a lot of answers other than I hope Bert Emanuel Jr. either wins the job or has a full-time role, because I think he's the
1: best player uh, on the roster right now. I've started to, if you will, buy the dip on him a little bit. We just completed a, an Eliminator draft that Greg mm-hmm. ran, uh, ran. Have you ever partaken?
0: Uh, not in the Eliminators, no. They're fun,
1: because uh, yeah. the idea is very different than straight ball. right? The idea is basically weeks one through nine. Uh, three Bottom three teams get a strike. Each week you get three strikes in the timeline of week one to nine and you're out. Um, so we chop off a bunch of the bottom teams throughout the progression. And then weeks 10 and 11 uh, bottom team is gone. And then everyone fights week 12 and 13 aggregate points of those two weeks uh, and pay out top three. Um, and I grabbed uh bird Emanuel pretty late, like round 24 in that draft. I think uh, a, one of the more likely scenarios is Bauer gets the nod of week one. As things progress, they get out of conference play and into the match, and we see things move back in Emmanuel's direction. Mm-hmm. If for no other reason, than, like these MAC defenses aren't stopping that dude when right. it comes to running the football. So I don't know how you just sit that on the bench and run your offense through uh, Jace, Jace Bauer uh, once you get to Mac, MAC play, which I don't know. Initially, when I, when I, the first year I played some of Greg's eliminators, I uh, approached it through the perspective of not wanting to lose early on and Mm -hmm. draft accordingly, but I've kind of shifted my philosophy of like, let's, dude, let's go fucking win this thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that Bert Emanuel can be in position to just give me those 50 point blow ups in the weeks that uh, kind of punch punch, uh, those tickets for the big money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Something you said earlier, I wanted to say that I've, I've, I feel like I learned from you a little bit on the, you know, find a few things that you feel really, really good about and and hammer those. I've taken that uh, into account this year and and you definitely helped influence that as well. And then I totally agree on, you know, why not just, why not just win it? You know, I mean, it, uh, do what you can to, to win it if you try something weird uh, and it doesn't work out early, you know, in some ways that's, that's better than, Coming up uh, short at the end, I'll, I'll be able to concentrate on something else. If I, it looks like I'm going to be, you know, last place finisher immediately, that's fine. I'll get it, get it off my, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, get it off my plate, and I'll focus on something else. So, totally.
1: Thank you for uh, for uh, kind words you just uh, put in there. <laughs> I I am so thinking about Eastern Michigan. Like I. I appreciate what Chris Crean, assuming I'm pronouncing it correctly, has done. I kind of buy into him from a, a program builder perspective. Mm-hmm. I am a little cautious this year about what to expect from them from a CFF and identity perspective. Um, not that I watched a ton of EMU this past year, but I just I get the sense that I can't necessarily place faith in Austin Smith in terms of just facilitating pass catcher production that we've kind of seen in recent years. Not to say that um, Ben Bryan and who was there this past year, the that the, the transfer from... Uh, oh, uh, Powell, Tyler Powell. Yeah, not that these guys were, were, were world beaters, but they were good enough to kind of let the let their receivers uh, eat and uh, put up solid numbers. But I don't know. I, I get the sense that Austin Smith might even be a tier p- below that. Mm-hmm. They don't have a ton of returning production at the receiver position, right? They um, it seems like they lost a uh, couple of their top guys. Badum, I guess, finally ran out of eligibility last mm-hmm. year. Went to BYU. They've got a uh, uh, Tanner Canue back. I don't know. I, what it seems like they already were buying into the idea of hey, let's get Samson Evans the ball. Uh, a bunch of good things will happen. But maybe they even lean more that way uh, this year. What do you think? How do you feel?
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think Samson Evans has a chance to be probably leading rusher in the MAC. He uh, probably would be my favorite uh, for that and could see him, you know, if they really lean into him, um, put up just some, some big, big numbers. Um, uh, one thing that uh, kind of the opposite of our, our discussion a little bit with Bowling Green and Buffalo, Chris Creighton has earned my trust um Eastern Michigan never grades out well in the roster numbers that I do um the you know performance on the field is modest most of the time but they do a pretty good job of uh winning games just simply but also winning uh when they have a uh talent disadvantage um and then they just they find a way to get the job done uh in some ways, you know, at, at the quarterback position, uh, the last couple of years, you mentioned they brought in transfers, P5 transfers and and went that route. We got to see a little bit of Austin Smith last year um, when Powell was banged up a bit and either the performances that, that he put together, which, you know, there was nothing uh, incredible about him. But uh, either that or um, Creighton and that coaching staff really like. Uh, the Juco transfer coming in Ike uh, Udingwu the third Um, between the two of them it seems like they like something at at the quarterback position because I I trust that they would have gone out and gotten somebody else in in the transfer portal if um, they weren't confident enough and and I I I don't know. I I just think until proven otherwise, I'm going to trust that that they're going to be okay at, at that position. Just because Chris Creighton, I think, is just a really really solid coach and and seems to get the most out of his roster. Seems mm-hmm. to build a roster uh, pretty well. Getting you know Tanner Canoes like a walk-on or at least unrated player. Badoon was the same thing. Um, So getting production out of guys like that, but then also sprinkling in transfers um, like this year, Javon Swinton and Terry Lockett Jr. are are transfers who um, come in with a little bit more, uh, you know, just just sort of big school uh, pedigree, I guess. Um, They've done a pretty good job of of finding a way to, to make it work. Um, but it seems like right now, building around Samson Evans and just giving him the ball as much as possible um, seems like what the case will be in in the early weeks. But uh, once that quarterback situation uh, cements itself, whether it's Smith or, or whether um, Adingwu emerges, um, then maybe they open it up once we are given to, to Mac play a little bit more. But um, I think things are, are lined up looking pretty good for Samson Evans and, and, and that I just trust that they'll figure it out uh, once they get into Mac play and, and be a very competitive team. Once again,
1: do you get the sense it's a competition between uh, the Juco dude? Who's so that's West?
0: pure yeah. speculation, pure speculation okay. on my part. Um, I think Smith is probably the clear favorite to start. Uh, but I uh, think is, is, uh, you know, decently his, 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 uh, Talent rating from the recruiting services is on the higher side of what we normally see at at Eastern Michigan. Um, So I think that there's uh, I think that there's a chance Um, they surprise us sometimes. I mean, we thought Preston Hutchinson was was (laughs) top twenty quarterback or whatever, and then Oh, nope, sorry, (laughs) they they this other guy. Um, So that. I, I refuse to let myself be uh, surprised by by what Eastern Michigan does at, at that position. But um, just trying to speculate, read the tea leaves a little bit. It, it seems to me that they feel pretty good about that position, and, and I think uh, part of that is is maybe they feel a little good about, or, or you know, feel pretty good about the the JUCO guy they've got
1: coming in. Excellent. So. You mentioned Bowling Green was 126th, and uh, is rankings the right word for that?
0: Yeah, power rankings. Uh, so when I refer to, and the, the official term is the team strength ratings, okay. but those are my my main uh, power ratings, so who's favored
1: against who on a neutral field. Fair to say that they are not the worst, and now we're coming to a discussion of a team that I assume – I mean, they can't be better than 130, right? we talking 131, 132, 133. Where's
0: Kent State at? Oh, man. Kent State, uh, believe it or not, um, I I am too high on Kent State. They're 122 right now. Whoa. So the, the way I calculate it, and it's not perfect, certainly. I, I don't think I've got everything figured out. But um, it does take into account – performance ratings on field performance from the last three years. So Kent state um, is, has been a little more consistent than Bowling green. So I think that was just enough to, to edge them over. Um, And then there's actually, uh, I know there's, I believe there's still a little bit of ambiguity as to whether or not Kai Thomas is going to be fully uh, available. Um, so maybe that boosts Kent State's uh, roster numbers a little. Is bit that more an injury or
1: eligibility related?
0: So I think it's eligibility, uh, and and I don't, I I might have this wrong, but I think he was one of those that still needs a waiver, and we don't okay. know for sure if he's if yeah. he's got it. But I could have that wrong, so my apologies. But, um, and the running back position in my calculations doesn't boost their team rating too much, but he's a significant upgrade over everything else they have there, but, but yeah, Kent state dead last in my returning production numbers, dead last in offensive returning production. Um, they were able to boost things a little bit with some big 10 transfers. Um, I did pencil in Michael Alemo as the quarterback. He's about a, uh, in my individual player ratings, think of him like a Madden rating. Um, he's seven and a half points higher uh, rated than Jaron Lewis, the other incoming uh, quarterback transfer that has a much bigger impact. But uh, Kai Thomas is 12 points higher rated than Xavier Williams, who's number two on the running back depth chart for me. So, um, if those are wrong, and I believe Phil still had a limo uh, projected as his quarterback, which might have been why I decided to follow suit. But um, if I were to to take those two guys out, replace them with the the second guys on the depth chart, Kent State would be behind Bowling Green. Um, but they're not as low as they probably should be. I, I agree with you. I think they're they're in the 130s probably because I mean they were just completely decimated <laughs> by transfers and and uh, you know coaching staff turnover, all that stuff. Um, and the defense was bad last year to begin with. So um, they they are probably much too high in in my current power ratings.
1: Uh, At 122. KF is on them on their win total over as well. So you guys are aligned in being uh, over over market uh, in terms of just feeling good feeling good about them. I guess. Um, Yeah, I would agree with you. I I get only vibes as well in terms of how how that's likely to play out. Think one of the things that I am most interested in is so. The vibes you get from their coaching hire, right? I think the guy is like Minnesota uh, Roots uh, is like, all, okay. right. all right, are we going to be like more ground-oriented, more kind of tough, uh, nitty-gritty, bring the Big Ten to the Mac type deal. I-, I got those some of those vibes initially, but Matt Johnson's their OC, right? And that dude is as uh, uh, like kind of a uh, beer and shoot uh, type of background as you can get between playing underneath Babers and then – Uh, working underneath Sean Lewis. So I'm very curious what the offensive identity will actually be. Um, Year one, especially when you've got so little in the way of uh, kind of returning production, like who knows how much you're going to be able to open things up if that's a desire. Um, But I don't know. I'm hesitant personally to buy – like. I was initially happy, right, that I was able to scoop Trell Harris in some dynasty leagues, um, but that was largely under the pretense that he'd be ascending in uh, Sean Lewis's offense. No longer the case, and uh, because of just roster constrictions, I've I think I've cut him in one or two places. Um, but I don't know. Do you do you have a feel for what what is your expectation for their offensive identity short and medium term? So I think I think that
0: that running back coaches are just difficult to project as to, to what they will look like. Because we, we see this, I think, more so in the MAC than we do other places, right? Our, our, um, who was the previous Mike Jinks was the coach at Bowling Green. Um, and they just went out and said, we want an air raid coach. We will, you know, make, make people say no, and then we'll just go down the line. And apparently Mike Jinks who was the running back coach at Texas Tech, uh, said yes, and so you you sometimes get a coach in the MAC like a Kenny Burns who uh, hasn't been a play caller, uh, or at least you know in recent history, or at least at the FBS level, um, and you don't really know uh, kind of where their their mind is because a lot of people I think uh, default to oh they're a running back coach so they're going to want to run the football and. In my experience, that's not always the case. I mean, it certainly, you know, could work out that way. But I, uh, I'm a little more um, – when I, when I see a new head coach that I have no idea where their offensive philosophy is going to go, and I don't know their – you know, don't have a good feel on, on whoever it is that they've hired as their offensive coordinator, I think that my pecking order for, okay, this guy wants to run the football – Goes defensive head coach first, offensive line coach second, and then maybe running back coach. Okay. Um, and so I don't know. I just I uh, I think it's it's okay to assume. Yeah, all right. Maybe maybe the running back group. Maybe Kai Thomas, especially you know, there's a little bit of a history there. I believe um, if he were to step in as the most talented player, uh, that that yeah, hand him the football early and often. Um, but I'm also just a little bit hesitant because running back coaches can be hard to uh put in a box like that. Uh, if it makes sense, any of the ones that I've known in my past <laughs> life, uh, sometimes uh, I get the feeling that, that they'd rather be doing something else and want to be fun and exciting and and uh, you know, do uh, do fun things in the passing game. So maybe that's just a little bias and small sample size on, on my end, just a couple of running back coaches I've known, but I think, I think sometimes we're a little bit too uh, quick to assume that, that they're the personality that wants to uh, just ground and pound and slow it down and run the football. That's, that's more of a, a defensive head coach and an offensive line coach in, in my experience. That
1: feels totally fair. Uh, maybe it's, sp- maybe with younger coaches, especially. Like, running back coaches
0: are pretty young, it seems,
1: too. Yeah. And, and so it, that's – yeah, I think that
0: supports my – It's interesting,
1: think it's interesting thinking about how some of these guys come into the role of coaching certain positions. Like I remember like TJ Yates popped up as like a cornerbacks coach. Like what is his qualification to be coaching defensive backs uh considering he was starting – Saturday afternoon playoff games for the Texans uh, not too not too long ago right so i don't know you're probably it feels like you're right not to necessarily project expectation based on recency of what position these these guys coach necessarily um all right let's shift to the non ball seat Miami do you think it's all gabbert All the time this year And we're going to get back to like Gabbardy y Maction Just hyper-targeting WR1 uh, type deal Some uh, shootout uh, Very Maction-y type games Uh, Like that Not that uh, Avion Smith Was totally incompetent But just the stark change In what the offense looks like With him at the helm Versus Gabbard is uh, Like very, very Very stark Right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there, like it, I I personally like and enjoy how reliable the wide receiver one in that offense has been in recent years. Hip and Hammer Sorensen, those are some of our dogs from a CFF uh, perspective. I've kind of gone ahead and just made assumptions about Miles Marshall hopefully being that dude uh, this year. Got targeted him in a few a few leagues, and if we assume Gabbard's back to commanding that offense. I, I don't know my limited reading that I've been able to do on the program hasn't necessarily unearthed anything that makes me think that any of these other guys are going to be, uh, commanding a ton of targets. So I can see it being him. Um, and you, you give me 10 plus targets in a, a midweek action game. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So I can craft the narrative, but how likely you think that is to come to fruition. I think it's definitely very
0: possible. Uh, I was excited in what we got to see from Avion Smith a little bit last year. And and so uh, I was a little bit bummed when uh, Brett Gabbert, because he briefly entered the transfer portal, if I remember yeah. correctly. Uh, and I was a little bit sad that he came back and, and thought that, you know, Smith uh, kind of adds a little bit of a, a different wrinkle, and and uh, is a pretty exciting player. Would love to see what he can do in a full season. Um, but my new colleagues at Campus to Canton uh, ha- actually had uh, uh, what's his what's his name? Who's that coach? Chuck Martin is that is that his name? Um, right, yeah. Early in the the off season, uh, yeah, Chuck Martin had him on a, a podcast, and uh, Felix I think might have played for for Chuck Martin at Grand Valley, if, if I understood the connection there, but um, asked him, you know, hey, what what Miami players do we need to know about in, in college fantasy football? And this was in February, March, something like that. Um, and Martin immediately just said, well, our quarterback, Brett Gabbard. because there was some <laughs> speculation, you know, well, is Avion Smith going to challenge for this job? Uh, uh, but it seemed like, in that interview at least, and, and you can't always trust coaches, but he seems like a fairly no-nonsense kind of guy. Um, Seemed so like, all right, well, hey, Brett Gabbard's our guy, and and uh, we're going to go with that. So, yeah, I agree that that uh, that changes how we should view the offense, and with Miles Marshall being, um, you know, the leading returning receiver, the most experienced guy on the roster, a big target at, at 6'4", and almost 220, um, a former power five player i mean he, he seems like first in line to to kind of keep that that line rolling as far as uh really productive wide receiver ones and uh, you know in this offense and um there's not much as far as experience uh at least on the you know within the program back so i don't think that the you know, internally, there's not a, a big challenge to him. They did bring in Joe Wilkins Jr., a transfer from Notre Dame. He's probably going to start, hasn't been super productive in the past. So I don't necessarily expect that he'll um, be a major challenger to Miles Marshall. I'm a little curious about uh, Gage uh, Laverdane, who is an FCS transfer who uh, has had a pretty productive uh, career to date. So you know he's a smaller guy 5'10 160s what i've seen him listed um, so obviously different role than than what we would expect from Miles Marshall uh, but you know we have seen if if memory serves we've seen some smaller guys um, thrive at times in, in the offense so uh, i think he might be the the one to be a little uh you know if somebody's going to move in, into Gabbert's, you know, top target favorite uh, role. Maybe he's a little bit more of a challenger, but I think Miles Marshall is, is a heavy favorite uh, for that spot because he's, you know, been, been fairly productive, has, has made some big plays, uh, is a big target. There's a history there. They, they've uh, worked together before, and, and Marshall played a lot last year. So it seems like he's most likely to, to be the guy who's got some value
1: to give you a feel for how my Mac only draft came out. Labernet is like one of the receivers that I'm counting on for, for production, which feels fairly scary. Um, Terry Lockett as well. Like the receiver room is a disaster. It's uh, <laughs> it includes Terry Lockett as like, dude, that, that guy's getting to enter my lineup regularly. So ditto Labernet. Booby Curry's like one of my top four receivers. And then uh, getting pivoting over to Northern Illinois, Trayvon Rudolph actually started first three rounds. uh, Everyone, we've got the whole DeKalb uh, trio, round one, Ontario Brown, round two, Trayvon Rudolph, round three, Rocky Lombardi. So I'm hoping that things get back to 2021 vibes uh, over in DeKalb. Um, Feels not impossible, right? A lot of things went wrong uh, last year from a health perspective. Like a lot of things went really wrong. The vibes I got were not necessarily just great in terms of program buy-in, right? Lots of guys, lots of important guys transferring out, but um, it seems like they've made a conscious art effort to really rethink. Uh, like I was reading some article the other day about how they were rethinking offseason strength and conditioning, just based on, hey, maybe we need to, basically, maybe maybe we need to re- we need to. Think about not trying to get just as strong as possible, but prioritize flexibility and try and not get injured uh, and late scratch. every Everyone, every single week, and then everyone's lighting money on fire and DFS and props, etc., etc. <laughs> so that would be nice, right? A little less maction if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think they get back to 2021 uh, vibes or what? what's program trajectory feel like to you?
0: So I, I, have to apologize. We're talking about Northern Illinois, right? <laughs> I thought correct? that I
1: did like an amazing, uh, what's the word? Uh, you did. Like- I, I
0: You heard uh, I heard Rocky Lombardi. Uh, yeah.
1: I no, am a little no, bit distracted, I, I right? The
0: team right when we sat down to record is when the like official announcement from Campus to Canton went out. So uh, apologies. I've been trying to like check Twitter a little bit here and there, but, but I, I think that's the way that alphabetical lists work. The, 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 always yeah. uh, You know, Thomas Hammock running back coach, right? So he is one of those uh, that, that did decide, yeah, we're going to, we're going to feed uh, the running back position. Uh, they, they are tricky because yeah, 2021 one one the Mac, obviously, um, won a lot of close games. And I feel like our projections, uh, did a pretty good job of being, um, skeptical that, that they were going to be able to, uh, get back to that level last season. And, and it worked out and there were some, certainly some injuries that, that played a big, uh, role in that with Trayvon Rudolph missing the entire season. That was a big loss. Um, he provided, Know, such a big play uh, opportunity in twenty twenty one, big piece of that offense, uh, and then Rocky Lombardi. You know, I mean, you mentioned uh, guys. Uh, just the the game starts, and and everybody's expecting him in the starting lineup, and then he's nowhere to be seen. Uh, may or may not have gone through pregame warm ups, but but you know isn't out there to to start uh, the game. Isn't even in pads. So um, that I think hurt. A lot. Um, getting both of those guys back and healthy um, will do big things, and as far as making this team uh, a threat, I, I I do think that you know falling to three and nine. Typically, when we uh, see a team come into a season three and nine, two and six in conference play in the MAC, that doesn't look like a conference title contender. And it's it's going to be a big jump, but you know I do have. Uh, Northern Illinois sixth in the MAC power rankings. Um, do have them uh, rated uh, fairly high in, in the roster numbers, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ontario Brown. I think that from a pure talent standpoint, he might be the most talented running back in the MAC. Um, I think you have to like the addition of Gavin Williams uh, at the running back position. Uh, I don't know if you do this, but do you have a list when we're going through the best balls and, and whatnot of like one or two or three players? That's always the last guy in your queue when the draft ends and and they were up there. You're like, you know what? I'm going to take this guy. And like 28th, 29th. I'm going to do it. And then they kind of chicken out and you say, oh, actually, all right, I'll take, you know, uh, Keenan Christian or whatever. Um <laughs> Again, for the eighth time. Casper uh, ruckwitz if I pronounce that incorrectly, I apologize, uh, has been that guy for me a lot this year. I, I think that we've seen Northern Illinois. Um, we've seen some guys provide some value at the wide receiver position. Uh, he has a pretty diverse skill set. We'll get some carries every once in a while. I think that he's primed for a, a decent year um and he's he's always been you know on in my queue at the very end of drafts and and I've I've chickened out I think every single time <laughs> okay. I never drafted him but uh I have pretty high hopes uh for him this year so if that key group can stay healthy um because northern illinois does have a very experienced offensive line uh they actually return the way I calculate it, it's 51 or 50 plus 1% of uh, games started. I count them as a, a returning starter. They have six returning starters on the offensive line, and that's with losing their, their best guy who transferred to Kentucky. So um, as an experienced group up front, if they can stay healthy, I think they've got skill position players um, that, that are going to make them very competitive, going to make them a factor in the, the conference uh, title race. Um, again this year. There there are so many toss-up games. I have projections for every game, for every FBS opponent, uh, and I'll just really quick <laughs> run down um, Northern Illinois after week three because they are underdogs against both Power 5 opponents, and they're a big favorite against FCS Southern Illinois. Uh, but Tulsa, half a point underdog. Uh, Toledo, they're a double-digit underdog, but that's a different thing. Akron, point-and-a-half underdog. Ohio, field goal underdog. Eastern Michigan, four-point favorite. Central Michigan, two-point underdog. Uh, Ball State, one-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, Western Michigan, four-and-a-half point favorite. And Kent State, uh, half-point favorite. So I'm not sure that there's another team that we'll talk about that I've got... What is that? Eight? Yeah. Uh, eight out of nine games uh, of four points or less one way or the other. So they're, they're going to be in a lot of games going to have an opportunity to win a lot of games and two years ago they found a way to win those games uh we'll just see if they can get back to that and i think injuries are going to play a big
1: part i uh i sympathize with your best ball process so what i generally try to do is i'll before each of our drafts i'll kind of map out what i want to do rounds one through thirty. And invariably, something lots of stuff goes wrong, right? You get sniped here and there, et cetera, et cetera. You get scared that a guy that you're a guy's going to go beforehand, so I, you go and reach for three or four rounds early. All of a sudden, things are decimated. But even still, akin to what you just mentioned with Casper, uh, I look back at the end of it and I'm like, I was planning on taking this dude in round 24, and I it the f out. And so sometimes it's intentional. Um, I have a couple of names in my pocket that I've intentionally not taken in our circle because I, I don't want to kind of keep people on to how I'm thinking about them uh, saving that for kind of some of the, the bigger drafts that we're coming up to now, now in August uh, for uh, a little more money, but that's just another level of twisted, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, hey, I, That's I something you. where I disagree with you. I, I, I put it out there.
0: I say, you know what, if you want Tyler Shuck, you're going to have to draft him in the second. <laughs> uh, that's that's what's you know now that he's officially the starter that's that's what you're gonna yeah. and i'll do it yeah, every I single time
1: that. so <laughs> I, res- I respect that too i mean i i'm a yeah I, I it is it is maybe a bit too conspiratorial on my behalf but given yeah. i don't know it's it worked given out pretty well for all. you so we all have our different <laughs> we all have yeah. our different strategies to varying levels of success Dude, let's talk about the, the heavy hitters. Uh, let's get into Ohio. First off, how um, I took a hundred to one a bet on Curtis Rourke to lead the nation in passing yards this year. Totally dead or just mostly dead?
0: <laughs> hey, you got Sam Wiggles, right? Uh, yeah. And the way that he uh, made people talk about him in the best wide receiver room in the country. Uh, the last couple of years, uh, we we've now seen what he can do on a little bit bigger stage, given an opportunity to play. Um, excited that he's coming back. Jacoby Jones is a pretty good uh, secondary wide receiver. Miles Cross as well. Um, you know they've they've got some they've got some depth at receiver. They've got some talent. I think the biggest uh, uh, maybe the the biggest area of concern for that for me. Is they've also got one of the best running backs in the MAC. Uh, Saving Gurris is really, really solid, um, and they're just going to, you know, should should be fairly balanced uh, offensively. But you know, Ben missed some time last year. Oshawn Allison can't stay healthy, uh, and Rourke is good, and he's got some weapons to work with. So I I wouldn't say that it's dead. I mean, I definitely. Um, there there are some players I'd, I'd pick ahead of him obviously but um yeah. 100 to 1 yeah that sounds pretty good to me. yeah,
1: yeah his, his health is obviously a primary consideration right like yeah it's nice to hear him say he's 100 it's nice to see him out there on day one i've been burned so many times by this as we all have right <laughs> uh injury optimism from previous year stuff and stuff with that ilk injured in november turning around to a week zero game in uh 20, and for this year, like, I don't know, that's tough. Everybody heals differently. Not going to uh, come here and be a social media doctor type person, but I mean, I've learned from experience, generally speaking, it pays to be skeptical when it comes uh, to, to stuff like that. That being said, there's so much to like, so much to, to buy into. Just thinking back to what that offense looked like before he went down last year and they, they were just putting up insane yards totals uh, on the ground through the air. I was I uh, actually tuned into uh, uh, like a, what do you what do you call it like a, I guess a a post uh, day one practice uh, media interview with Ohio oh, sure. yeah yeah and and the, dude it it's wild it's wild seeing some of these reporters like some of these reporters that uh, work at, work in the MAC like I thought maybe they are middle schoolers but like I,
0: I think I know who you're talking about I saw I was trying to read. Uh, practice reports, and it ended up the best uh, uh, or the most available thing was from their uh, official website, which usually is not where I'm mm-hmm. trying to find information. But yeah, there was one guy who looked like he was twelve.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and I agree with you. Like, what are you really getting get from state news uh, type deal? I've been pleasantly surprised a couple times where I've actually like un- I've actually mined some interesting information from right. uh, people that work directly for the, from the school. Yep. Um, but it's few and far in between. Generally, like nothing's being put on their website that that, that isn't like cleared uh, from the top down uh, type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what I learned from that, I was, I don't know, how, I've never said his name out loud, but uh, Bangura's first name is two two syllables, C A, um, based on oh. the code pronunciation. Okay, so all right. I'm C-A. Generally not that I'm generally the first person to butcher everyone's name, but I was I was happy to kind of pass that on. Uh, Good to, to know. Uh, to the audience. Uh, oh, so yeah, I think it's, it's gonna be fun. Like, it's, it's nice to only see, I think, what is it? In terms of not like non con is manageable this year. Do you think they beat Iowa State at home?
0: Um. So it's closer than I would have expected. I've got Iowa State is, is right around a field goal underdog. Uh, so we do get that game at home. Not the biggest home field advantage, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, a point in their favor. Uh, two and a half points, I guess, to be specific. But um, I don't. I think they can, and I think yep. that we just don't know what the situation is at Iowa State. Right? Like every every sort of vague uh, quote or. Um, you know, piece of, of information related to the, the gambling scandal there, whatever. Um, we don't know. They're they like, Oh, it's not a big deal. It's not major. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be fine. Um, but like you said, just a little bit ago, I mean, we can't necessarily trust uh, head coaches to tell us that their best players are not going to be available. And for however many games. So um at full strength even, because I haven't, in my calculations, haven't in, uh, included that at all. Haven't even players I've seen speculated, oh, so-and-so's mm-hmm. going to miss time. I haven't touched them. So this is a full Iowa State, full-strength projection. I've got Ohio as less than a field goal underdog. So, yes, they can, they can win that game.
1: Super interesting. I, I was initially very much ready to allocate – Good portion of my bankroll to betting against Iowa State from a season-long perspective this year, and I I, I got in and I've since pulled pulled back just because. Well, I, where I, we can kind of get a sense for where things are likely to net out in terms of some key players being suspended, but it, whereas initially I I was hoping for like a true program damaging situation, I the this my spidey sense is telling me that we're probably not going to get there. Um, and I preferred instead to kind of move a lot of that money over to bank against Northwestern, which I'm feeling a lot more confident about um, Toledo. I think how, how many programs across the country do you think Tucker Gleason could start for? Cause that dude seems like a very capable quarterback based on what we've seen. Um, I mean, he, he would, Probably
0: started at Eastern Michigan, right? Uh, yeah. he, would, uh, he would be in the mix. Um, at, he probably would start at Bowling Green. Um, just just thinking about the the teams we're talking about today, would he challenge Cole Snyder at Buffalo? Maybe. Um, I don't I don't think it's an overwhelming number, but I think that I mean he certainly proved that even with Daquan Finn, who by the way I'm working on uh, finally, finally getting player projections finalized, uh, which usually make me feel horrible about all the players I've drafted and not drafted uh, to that point. But Daquan Finn's projections are just off the charts. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going from second round Tyler Shuck to second round Daquan Finn now. But um, uh, Tucker Gleason stepping in uh, when Finn has been banged up and unavailable there wasn't a big drop-off. So yeah, I mean, he, he, it's not that he is um, you know, he doesn't excite me in the way that like a Grant Nussmeyer does where it's just like, wow, this guy could start, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. at a hundred programs. Um, but I think if you're Toledo, you feel pretty good that um, one, he's experienced, he's, he's got some talent. And uh, if you're potentially somewhat fragile, really, really exciting quarterback has to miss some time, you feel pretty good that Tucker Gleason is going to be able to, to win ball games if need be. Totally.
1: You're that high on Finn. S- sell me on it. So
0: I'm not... So when I... I don't do a great job of explaining this, but when I'm talking team ratings and, and power rankings, my opinion doesn't matter one bit. I'm not smart enough. I put in all the... I put it in all the work, let the, let the calculations do their thing. Let the smart people at two, four, seven sports and on three and, and all of that, uh, do all the, uh, the thinking. I just put, put the numbers in place and see what it spits out and try to get out of the way. That's worked out pretty well for me in the past. Win totals have been, uh, far better than I would have thought the last couple of years have been at like 63% on, uh, all teams the last two years uh, across the board. And then where there's a win plus or minus uh, on either side, those are a few percentage points even better. So we're getting closer to to 65, 66%, uh, which is probably not sustainable, but it's, it's been nice. Um, The player projections are the same thing. I go through and do pretty simple, not nothing fancy, um, but it's a weighted average uh, of the, last three seasons for the team, the head coach, and the play caller, give more weight to the play caller, um, and just put in the numbers for, for whatever role, uh, QB1, RB2, tight end one, that that sort of thing, um, and just see what it spits out. And it spits out a usage uh, number, which the guy like Daquan Finn's a little lower than you would expect because he's been banged up and missed some time. But if I manually update that, that's the only piece I'll, I'll do manually is say, okay, he's actually going to, you know, we should give him credit for like 92% of snaps instead of 70 or whatever it is. Uh, but so I did that step back and gasped because uh, Daquan Finn with 92% of, of snaps um, I've got at, in a six point passing touchdown uh, projection, 34 points per game and four point passing touchdown 30 points. So. Wow. <laughs> so that's higher than expected and, and definitely have some uh, FOMO uh, because I don't think I've drafted him. Either yeah, place. I haven't either. So we'll see. I never want to wish somebody gets hurt, but I wouldn't mind <laughs> if we see a little more Tucker Gleason than what I currently have in the
1: projection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. Do you think we see someone kind of command a serious share of the running back carries uh, this year?
0: It seemed like Jaquaz Stewart kind of
1: peaked, uh, you know,
0: kind of edged ahead a little bit at the end of last year, if if memory serves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if someone does, maybe it's him. But all three guys, you know, and the fact that they all stayed, uh, the fact that the other two guys are bigger – uh, makes me think that it's, it's most likely uh, that, unless, as you know, caveat for, for any of these discussions, unless injury thins some things out, figures some things out for us, I think it's going to be kind of a three headed situation
1: again. My receiver feels almost the opposite. Like, I don't, I don't know a ton about that receiver room. But there's Jerwan, Newton, Blunkney's mm-hmm. went to Memphis, so I don't I don't know what else we're really working with there.
0: Uh, well, Devin Maddox is still is is back, oh, okay. right? Um, but those two guys are, uh, you know, clearly one and two, and and um, and it's possible I missed something. So if so, if he's not back, because that is always a a concern, is well, that I think I right? I think he's. Right. Um, let me pull out my trusty thing just to just to double check as, as I'm uh, filibustering here. But um, uh, yeah, I mean th- those two guys are solid, and Newton being yeah Maddox back according to uh, the field steel. So um, uh, I mean they're they're just a pretty solid one-two punch. I think Newton is a little bit. Uh, better certainly showed last year that his ceiling is is higher um, but it's not necessarily a situation where he's going to blow up and be a 1500 yard type guy I think he's 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 a high floor uh type receiver and probably I think we've all been a little too low on him
1: yeah um,
0: in a lot of our, the drafts that we, we participate in together. Um, he's, he's probably better. What is he going in like the late teens, early twenties, Yeah, something. I mean, he's, he's, he's better than that probably. Um, especially with, uh, Blankham uh, and Mikhail Barkley's gone mm-hmm. as well. So, mm-hmm. um, those two guys thinning it out, Jamal Turner, who had, uh, a sneaky, very productive, uh, bit of output there at the tight end position with they touchdowns last year uh, with those guys thinning it out a little bit. Um, I think Newton, he could make a run in a thousand yards, um, but he and Maddox are definitely a solid one, two combo, maybe the best one, two combo in the Mac.
1: Uh, certainly on the short list. Western Michigan. So we conclude our, our, our journey uh, today. We, we, Cool. We heard uh, the the idea spouted off from their coach or play caller or whatever that they want to run like 80 plays a game or whatever. But presumably that necessitates being able to move the ball with any sort of competency. Brought in some transfers, right? Uh, Hayden Wolf uh, from Old Dominion. Like, I would think he's got to be QB1 just based on what we saw from uh, Borgay and uh, and uh and Her- Herbowski or whatever his name is last year. Mm-hmm. Um running back, they bring in Keyshawn King. Receiver kind of feels like a wasteland. Uh I don't know. I I personally am not super optimistic. I think I've been backed into the corner of drafting King once or twice in uh a league where I need to really just shoot for the moon and kind of hope uh okay, we see P5 translate to G five, but Where where are you at on Western Michigan for 2023?
0: Uh, Not optimistic. Not optimistic. Um, And I I didn't say when we were talking about Tulane. They are clear number one uh, in the Mac and the Power Rankings, 56th. Uh, Ohio's number two, but they're down at like 70. So there's a little bit of a gap there. Uh, Western Michigan is in the group uh, not not far ahead of Kent State and Bowling Green. Um, And they're kind of a Kent State. Situation getting getting Wolf helped their returning production numbers a bit, has helped their uh roster numbers a little bit, but they're still well in the triple digits. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, they're 101. Uh, and that is you know, Wolf being a a 86 rated player, the way we project it, just because he's you know, experienced, he's had some production in the past. Uh, and then Keyshawn King is a 85. Um, those two guys. Are are kind of keeping uh, Western Michigan's talent rating above water a little bit. Um, otherwise, they would be in that 128, 129, 130 uh, area. Just just not much to work with. A um, little bit of experience at the receiver position: Jelani Galway and Anthony Simbucci, Uh They added a couple of uh, experienced FCS transfers and Kenneth Womack and Leroy Thomas. But I'm not super positive that any of those guys is, is really going to emerge and be a, a really productive player. Kenneth Womack's the one who's shown the most in the past. Um, I know that Keyshawn King has gotten some love uh, and it's somewhat understandable because it's it's kind of like a you know last year I was I was real big on uh, Toa Tawa in Nevada because it was like everybody else is gone. And you've got a a legitimately decent to good running back. So that's – they're just going to give him the ball as much as possible. And, you know, they did a little bit, but just the team as a whole was so bad that it didn't really matter. I wonder if that's the situation we're seeing with Keyshawn King. Um,
1: that, that, that approach in general – or not in general, specifically, has been something that I've worked to phase out of my process mm-hmm. – the idea that, oh, that's the only guy left, everything's gonna funnel to him. I think it is a fallacy more often times than not in the sense that it just doesn't work out that way, right? right. Um, there's there's a reason that you've got all these other guys in the room. Um, and I think that when we see um, backfields or target trees shaped up in a way where everything funnels to one guy, it is for reasons other than that, that mm. uh, they're talent driven, um, more so than just out. it's last man standing type deal. Mm-hmm.
0: Now here's here's another one that pops up sometimes in the long off season. What are your thoughts on? Well, their defense is so bad that they're going to <laughs> be playing in these uh, shootouts because legitimately their defense ranks 120th in my roster numbers. They want to, you know, what what do they want? 80 snaps a game or something? Um, that's a lot of 3 and outs. Right. That's probably a lot of touchdowns right. on the other end. I gotten burned uh, by that uh,
1: one. Uh, <laughs> at a game level, I've gotten burned by that a whole lot. Uh season level, I can't recall anything super specific, but like yeah, you see that narrative drive especially like with on the N- NFL side and NFL DFS where like things are very different I feel like than CFB, but like I can just re- remember so many instances of like NFL DFS you crafting a narrative of well, they're going to be playing catch up. They're going to be throwing, mm-hmm. and just like you said, well, a lot of times it's just three, three now. <laughs> the game's over. <laughs> right.
0: Right. So that I, you know, so I worry a little bit. My, uh, but, and I guess maybe this is kind of a, a bigger picture thing uh, that that makes sense to 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 say here towards the end. The margin is so thin in the MAC. I mean, even though Toledo is a clear Favorite um, for me, uh, it, it, you know, to win the, the conference. Um, and there's really only a couple of teams that right now look like the best legitimate uh, challengers. With Ohio being the the, the top one for me, um, it's not that difficult to either get bowl eligible uh, because you you just have to win you know, four or five games against teams that are uh, not that much more talented than you um, and avoid some key injuries for Western Michigan, avoid getting just beat up in games at Syracuse, at Iowa, at Mississippi State in uh, the first six weeks. Um, and, and then they're going to have an opportunity to win, even though I think that, you know, they're, they're one of uh, they've got the potential to be like a nine or ten lost team. They've also got the potential to find a way to win six games and, and who knows maybe uh, maybe Keyshawn King does somehow, you know, carry them Um, or he and Hayden Wolf and the FCS transfers. Maybe they just blossom into this uh, up-tempo, hard to stop offense that, um, that, that does find a way to, to, to win enough games, win enough coin flips. Uh, but the way I calculate it right now, I personally am pretty uh, pessimistic about Western Michigan. Um, but the MAC is so unpredictable, and the the you know we saw Northern Illinois win the conference in 2021, lose nine games last year, and now they might be in the mix again, or they might fall apart again. It, it's it's so unpredictable that it's, it's tough to tell, and the margins are so thin. Um, but for, for Western Michigan specifically. I think it's more likely that that they're going to be a team that's uh, given up a lot of points and losing more often than they win.
1: Totally. All right. Let's get ready to wrap things up. Um, the, I think the frame, the way I want to frame this, is just uh, let's kind of go back and forth. I'll go first. And then if you'd be so kind as well. Just a couple of predictions that we feel really, really strong about. Um for me, I'm going to go ahead with Buffalo's not making a bowl game. And I will say that Burt Emanuel starts every game in November for Central Michigan at quarterback. Okay. I like
0: uh, – I'm with you on Burt Emanuel for sure. Buffalo, I don't have a uh, – I don't have a – I don't have them figured out quite yet. I think I'm going to say Marquez Cooper leads the Mack in rushing. I know I said Samson Evans probably would be the favorite, but yeah. Mark West Cooper is my personal favorite, so uh, I'm going to go with that. Um, and uh, let's see. Um, how about uh, gosh, my I'm I'm, 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 I'm I'm losing it here. (laughs) Uh, Let's say that. Let's say, let's say that uh, Toledo doesn't win the Mac. So they're, Uh, they're my heavy favorite. I think that they uh, are the most talented team. They're certainly the most um, experienced team. They, They rank seventh nationally in my returning production numbers. First in the Mac. Uh, but Jason Candle,
1: uh, you know,
0: found a way to get it done last year. But has a track record, and we even saw it last year because they lost to Bowling Green. Has a track record of losing games that they absolutely should not lose, um, and sometimes his his team succeeds despite uh, some pretty head scratching moments coaching wise. So. Uh, I love Daquan Finn, love the, the receiving uh, duo, love the depth at running back. I actually think that Toledo is in the mix as far as the top uh, G5 defense. If you're in a league that has to draft uh, defenses special teams, I think Toledo, Troy, South Alabama, and James Madison are pretty consistently among my top five uh, G5 defenses. But I think that that the track record of, of uh, Toledo coming up short is strong enough that somebody else is going to win the Mac this year.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to – I've been staring at it for weeks at this point, but I think I'm going to finally go and buy myself an Ohio future, uh, conference future, just to have a little more incentive to root for them this year. Yeah, well, I can get Dude, you. For such a momentous day for you, and I am personally uh, – Thankful and overwhelmed that I got to spend part of it with you. Um, it would have been I've totally. Been to this. Yeah, t- dude. It would have been totally understandable if, like, you felt uh, the need to kind of reschedule or whatever, given uh, kind of all that's happening for you on a personal and professional level today. But really, really appreciate it. Um, are, you, are you at a point now where you want to talk a little bit about kind of what can be expected going forward? Anything interesting sure. to you? Yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: Uh, Well, first of all, I I really appreciate uh, you reaching out. I I enjoy our conversations, DMs, uh, you know, frequently or infrequently. Um, I I think it's fun to see areas where we think alike. I think it's fun to see areas where we uh, don't think alike. I'm still willing to unload Chandler Morris uh, whenever we can come to an agreement. I know we've been working on that for two or three years. Um, We'll get there. But, uh, no, this is, this is a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you uh, having me on. And, and it is, you know, an opportunity for me to, uh, to talk a little bit about what I'm excited to, to get started with, with, with Campus to Canton. It's been a long time coming. It's, uh, we first started talking in, like, February or March. I had some, some personal things come up that I just thought, you know what, need to make a change, need to reach out, uh, see... Uh, if there's an opportunity to, to work with someone else to kind of lighten my load a little bit, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what my uh, situation was going to look like in the fall and, and kind of needed to start making some plans because my off season is, is pretty book solid trying to build uh, the team profiles, the turning production stuff, the stat projections. I'm trying to uh, get into FCS this year. Uh, everything has gone uh like twice as long as I expected. So, um, definitely still uh, playing catch up, but um, do I think have some some good stuff to offer? Uh, and if you go to campusdecanton.com, the uh, C2C Winning Edge package is, is what we're calling it. Um, it's basically the same if, if you've ever uh, looked at or, or seen or been a, a member. Uh, supported us on Patreon in the past few years at, at the tier two level. So it's access to our team profiles, which is uh, projected depth charts, projected point spreads for all 133 FPS teams. There will be some FCS teams coming eventually in, in small pieces. Um, but that includes individual player ratings of like 11,000, 12,000 players, every single player, uh, a wealth of uh, information, you know, experience stuff, talent numbers, um, offense, defense, special teams, we've got, you know, position and unit ratings. So you can see, uh, who has the most, uh, raw talent at defensive back in the Mac. Um, that's Toledo, by the way, number one in our, uh, position strength ratings in the Mac 59th nationally. So you can see all that. You can see all the, um, information that I've tried to compile from, uh, as many sources as possible, put it in one place, uh, add some Uh, hopefully unique spins. One thing that that added this year is snap percentage uh, from last season and then snaps per game, because there's, you know, there's places where you can go and and get raw snap counts. Uh, But sometimes it can be a little misleading uh, or you forget that a guy missed a lot of time with injury. So um, seeing actually what percentage of the team's snaps that player played last year and the actual number of snaps per game, because those can uh, vary a little bit. If a guy plays 30 snaps in week one and then breaks his leg, um, he'll be 30 snaps a game, but only 5% of the team snaps or whatever. So uh, hopefully it gives a little bit more information out there that, that maybe wasn't uh, as easily available. Um, And we've got win totals and uh, try to keep up with injury information best we can returning production. um, You know, everybody, knows Bill Connolly. He does a great job, huge influence of, of mine, but he puts out returning production numbers and then updates them what, once a month, every couple of months, something like that. Um, there can be some wild swings. I update it daily. Anytime there's a new piece of information that I come across. Um, so uh, try to get that information out to, to anybody who's interested and, and the place now to uh, sign up for that is campus and, and become a c2c winning edge uh tier subscriber
1: very very nicely um dude once again thank you so much for coming on especially uh given the uh the, the announcement today um i appreciate it it was fun awesome Well, that is all of our conference previews. Um, I think we're going to try and sneak in an independent one, bring uh, Zach and Chris uh, back into the fold late this week or early next week type deal. But Nicholas, Ian Allen, thank you so much, dude. Thank you. Catch everyone later.